generation, but not like we would see in adults or even their older sibs in high school. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at, over the course of, of the past two months, as this B117 variant, and this is a mute a mutated virus that occurs where, in fact, what happens is in the mutations, it either makes it spread more readily, and the B117 is now spreading uh, 50 to 100 percent times more than we, uh, percent-wise, more than we see with uh, the previous strains, and also it uh, causes more severe illness. And so what we're concerned about now is it's spreading through our communities. And as you know, you can see the numbers are going up very quickly in the upper Midwest. And included in that are kids. And we're seeing more transmission in youth sports activities and schools itself. And so this has been a concern because kids now are getting sick. Again, not as often uh, in a serious illness standpoint as we see with adults. But they're still getting sick, and the other thing is that they're transmitting the virus in the community. So we're spreading to people like young adults who are now getting sick and, and being hospitalized. So what age group are you seeing, Dr. Osterholm? Uh, I know that there were some rises in uh, infections in age groups 18 to, I believe, 25. When you say children, what age group are we talking? We're talking about all ages. Right now, all the kids we're seeing, whether they're in daycare, uh, you know, K through 8, or, you know, ninth grade on. Uh, we're also seeing it in terms of transmission in, um, in colleges. So it's really, they're all acting about the same. So it's not that kids are, again, transmitting it more than we see in adults. But prior to this, we just didn't see as much transmission. And now we're seeing a lot. We have a number of outbreaks in schools and daycare facilities now. So what do you suggest, Dr. Osterholm? Are you, uh, or would you suggest that the children don't go back to school, don't do physical activities and the sports and everything they've been doing? Well, no, at this point, you know, we, we surely want to do whatever we can to continue to support school. And the question is, at what point is it going to be distance learning? What point is it going to be hybrid? And how much was all in-class learning? And I think we just have to be very mindful of what's happening right now uh, with kids in schools. And if we see evidence of any transmission in these schools, I think you need to be able to pivot quickly and go back to either hybrid or at the very least, uh, you know, consider the possibility that you may have to do distance learning until we get through this uh, next, uh, you know, weeks ahead where we're going to see B117 there. I think with youth sports, this is a tough one. Indoor sports clearly were associated with many more outbreaks. We've had many outbreaks in, in youth sports associated with hockey, basketball, etc. And it really had to do with the indoor environment. Uh, you know, we've seen less outdoors, but we still have had outbreaks when kids all ride in the same car together to go to an event or on the same bus, etc. So, uh, again, this is still a challenge. Um, and uh, what the real answer is going to be is hopefully later this summer we're going to have vaccines that will be available for kids down as young as 10 years of age. And hopefully by even next fall we'll have vaccines that will be available down to six months of age or older. Indeed, we're talking to Dr. Michael Osterholm, the director of the Center uh, for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at the U of M. Uh, doctor, the U.S. is on track, is said to be on track for 50 percent of adults to have at least uh, one dose of COVID-19 vaccine by this weekend. With the higher numbers of people being vaccinated, are we on track to seeing a curve and to seeing, uh, I saw a report that said by the end of the summer, maybe we'll be on the other side of this. Is there any truth to that? Well, in terms of by the summertime, there's a real possibility that we will be on the other side of it if the variants that uh, 
uh, also cause the vaccine not to work as effectively, don't spread. That's going to be an important if. But at this point in the United States, what we're worried about is really the B117, which that vaccine works really well against the B117. Um, so if, if we uh, look, though, at the immediate term right now, uh, you know, just look no further than the state of Michigan, which is a house on fire, uh, the highest rates of infection they've had through the duration of the pandemic, much more than even the two major episodes they had last April and again last November. Um, and so there's still enough people out there, even with 50 percent uh, vaccines out there, uh, that we can have uh, still a lot of transmission in the community. So until we really get a much higher percentage of our population vaccinated, we're still going to be at risk for transmitting this virus. And with that being said, Dr. Osterholm, how can we curb uh, curb another surge of infections uh, outside of, uh, obviously, the vaccinations? What else can we do or continue yeah. to do? Well, you know, yeah, you know, I know everyone wants to get outside. Everyone's tired of this pandemic. People's lives have been, you know, really challenged over the course of the past year because of the pandemic. We're all feeling that. People's livelihoods, economic issues are huge. Uh, essential workers who have to go to work every day to get a paycheck. Uh, they don't have a choice of not getting protected. And so what we really need to do is is just concentrate on anything we can do to limit our transmission right now. Don't assume this virus is gone. It's not. And just hold on for, you know, even eight more weeks. I think we can get through this surge and really get to the other side of it. And then once we get there, we're going to continue to get more and more people vaccinated. And that's what's going to stop it. The other thing you can do is get vaccinated. I know there's a, a lot of distrust in the community about these vaccines. I can tell you with absolute certainty they're very safe. They're very effective. There is no long-term or short-term impact we need to worry about. And, you know, no one wants to be the person who dies who is scheduled to get their vaccine three days later. You know, now is the time that we want to make sure we get that last push and keep people from getting infected so that they can get to the vaccines. Well, Dr. Osom, to hear you say eight weeks, I don't think we've heard a time frame in such a long time when it comes to this uh, pandemic. So that's a little light at well, the end of the tunnel. You know, it is. It is. You know, we've been, but we've been, we've been over 14 months so far. Wow. You know, now we're just asking for one last push. You know, it's kind, it's kind of like that marathon. You know, you've mm -hmm. gotten you know, all but one mile of it, you know, and you're still hanging in there. Don't give up now. Well, you know, you're close. But that's what you got to get people to is the other end of it. I understand. Well, we appreciate your time, Dr. Michael Osterholm. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you. Today. For sure. We'll, well talk it's great soon. To be, it's great to be part of the team here. You're part I love of the it. team. <laughs> I love it. We'll get you on the jingle. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, you do that. I'll be, I'll be very happy, okay? <laughs> All right, have a good day. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. You too. Trey Songs is on the way. Uh, plus, Kim is up next. And also, Larry Fitzgerald, he has your sports. This is Freddie and Chantel in the morning.